Everything you know about health is about to change. Welcome to Straight Talk on Health with Dr. Vincent Medici. Sometimes people suffer, not from lack of faith, but from lack of knowledge. This is the show that changes that. If you are tired of being sick, tired of not getting answers, tired of spinning in circles, for healing is not a mystery. It is a miracle that you were designed to experience. It takes hard work and real knowledge. It takes patience and time. It takes the education this show can provide. So get it straight today. Here's Dr. Medici. Good morning and happy Saturday to you. I'm Dr. Vincent Medici. Today's show, today's show is the progression of a greatly accelerated evolution. I say evolution because we are obviously in a state of accelerated evolution. And we're trying to understand each other. I just have to slip in that hopefully on Tuesday we're all going to do the right thing and President Trump will have a second term and we can all take a look at the changes that have occurred that we didn't even know were occurring. And what I mean is, is we have divided undoubtedly and clearly into two camps. And each camp is looking at the other one going, I can't believe you're seeing the same object and coming up with a completely different point of view. I mean, we call that the great divide. We call it left and right. We call it clearly two polar opposites. And in my lifetime, and I think for most of you in your lifetime, you can't remember a more divisive moment in at least our short history. But alarmingly to me, you look at another person and you say, how can you see things this way? How? What has changed so much in the way we come to our conclusions that we can be so completely opposite on things. This is bigger than politics, and we're coming to my point. This is not about religion. This is not about politics. People think they're making a choice between one politician and another. We're not. It's not about political philosophy. It's not about social issue. It really isn't. It is much deeper than this. The change between us is about the change in our genetics. We are morphing genetically. I went back to school a number of years ago to feel comfortable at making this assertion. That there's a reciprocity there is a reciprocity, a relationship between the rate at which we change our environment and the rate in which we change our genetics. That's not really news to anybody. The difference between the world one million years ago and two million years ago was not so great. And this was reflected in the rate of mutation. Whatever we were two million years ago and whatever we were one million years ago 
reflected the rate at which the environment had changed. And it really hadn't changed the way it's changing now. And that just makes sense. But that doesn't mean some of us are growing gills or an extra arm or a leg or losing an arm or a leg. It means perception of reality in response to the rate of change is really what's under selective pressure. Let me say that again. Because in one sentence, I define the case today. Really, under great selective pressure, is the variability in which one perceives reality based upon the changes in the environment, the types of changes in the environment. So it's not that the sun is rising and setting at a different rate. It's not that less of us are breathing oxygen and more of us are breathing carbon dioxide. It's none of this. It's the change, the change that parallels the change in technology from agrarianism to industrialism to this techno state is producing in ever, in ever rapid progression of the way we perceive reality. Whatever set of genes are part of how we see our world has been under a newly accelerated pressure. And it accounts at the end of the equal sign for what we perceive, which is, I can't believe I heard two people say yesterday, two women with their face masks, as if they're actually going to be protected, as if they actually believe this garbage about the face mask against all the science. Again, the, Pro- the Barrington Doctrine, the Barrington Proclamation, the Magna Carta of science, stating these masks are a lot of junk, and two women all masked up. I mean, literally all masked up, like from another planet, huffing around the track, putting themselves in hypoxic states, guaranteeing themselves the same illness they're trying to avoid, are mumbling to each other and talking about how this election and all the things the Republican Party is doing to skew the results. And you listen to that and you say, don't you get it? Don't you get Dr. Fauci? Don't you get Bill Gates? Don't you get CNN News? Don't you get Biden's insanity? Don't you see what's happened under the liberal dome? They have before our eyes transformed themselves from a truly democratic ideology into something beyond Marxism. The same people that support these imbeciles will be losing their corporations. They'll be losing their homes. This has even happened before, and now on a far more treacherous level. And you listen to that and you say, how can people not see it? How can you not look at a guy like Donald Trump and realize a guy comes in that neither Republican nor Democrat wants to support? Doesn't that in and of itself, forget everything else, but doesn't that in and of itself ring a bell to you? Doesn't it make you wonder why a guy would come in 
from outside the swamp and have both parties not support. Remember Ryan? Remember Ryan from Wisconsin? Backstabbing? And what has McConnell done for Donald Trump until they had to? This guy's come in from out of nowhere, shocked the world, and has all of the political system against him. Doesn't that intonate to you that we ought to take a look that maybe there's an agenda there that has sincerity and true patriotism in it? But no, it doesn't. It's the Democratic Party. Hillary Clinton. Remember Hillary Clinton? Is there anyone in their right mind now? Or have we just forgotten that Hillary Clinton was running against Donald Trump in 2016? The great patriot Hillary Clinton? Is there anyone that can stand up and argue for that woman? The lowlife that she is. Is there anyone now? Remember, it was only four years ago. And yet you can walk around a track all duped up in a face mask. And so I say to you, have we evolved before our eyes another species of organism? Perhaps now the reptiles are trying to understand the amphibians, and that's about what we've done. We have schismed our organism to the point where one species is looking at a different species. Or perhaps this has always been the case. It was just about when we were going to reveal it. I submit this to you. Far beyond this is about the devil and every other blessed conspiratorial theory. That We have finally divided ourselves into two different organisms. Well, there was a guy named Terrence McKenna. Terrence McKenna was nothing short of brilliant. Like him or hate him. He had this thing about using hallucinogens and what the South American shamans who used peyote. And I don't want to talk about that because that's not my point. My point is when I listen to someone talk about how he sees the world, I don't care who he is, where he come from, what his education is. I just listen. Well, listen to him because he lays down in what you call, it's on YouTube, Terrence McKenna's final interview. He's basically predicting what's happened. And this is in the early 90s he's doing it. I ran across this a number of weeks ago. I've been trying to find a, a context for you. And I think I just laid it to you. He's predicting what's just happened. He's predicting the schism in the human organism. Especially when we have something called the second law of thermodynamics, which tells us exactly the opposite. Physicists believe the... I'm going to start it from the beginning again. Here we go. Well, novelty theory is something I've been working on since the early 70s, uh, inspired by psychedelic plant experiences in the Amazon to attempt to look at time and really deconstruct it and attempt to understand what it is. And this has been a wild intellectual ride uh, leading to some pretty easily stated conclusions. Uh, one is that novelty, which is my term for complexity or advanced organization, novelty increases as we approach the present moment. The universe you and I are living in is a far more novel and complicated place than the early universe was. 
well, some people would say, well, that's just a consequence of the unfolding of developmental processes. But this asks the question, what are developmental processes? Why should the universe have a preference for order over disorder? Especially when we have something called the second law of thermodynamics, which tells us exactly the opposite. Physicists believe the universe is running down ultimately into a state of disorder. But what I see is everywhere the emergence of more and more complex forms, languages, organisms, technologies, always building on the previously achieved levels of complexity. So that. So McKenna is challenging something that a guy named Ilya Prigenin uh, espoused, which is that the law of entropy, which is the inherent sway of the universe towards deconstruction or disorder. Entropy in chemistry, physical chemistry, physics, quantum mechanics is a, a term used to denote or describe the fact that when we study the solar system, when we study the cell, when we study just everything we study, we can see most fundamentally that all dimensions of our universe, anything we study, so to speak, moves towards disorder. And McKenna is challenging this because he's saying, despite the fact that Prigenine's theory, which was chaos over order, in direct, in direct conflict with Einstein's quest for a unified field, McKenna's saying, listen, you can say the world, based on the law of entropy, is and has always been evolving in a more disordered way. McKenna is saying, no, there's something you have to look at. And that is, is that all he sees is the evolution of higher, more complex systems. So he challenges this. Now, listen to where he goes with it. That was one of my insights. Coming out of that insight was the further understanding that this process of complexification through time is not proceeding at a steady rate. It actually follows a kind of asymptotic curve. In other words, it's happening faster and faster. And this was a revelation to me because it allowed me philosophically to contextualize the human world and to understand that human technologies, languages, migrations, art movements, ideologies are not something different from nature. They're the same uh, download of process that we see in the movement of continents, the evolution of new species of animals, except that these human novel emergent situations are happening much more quickly. So I see the cosmos, if you will, as a kind of novelty producing engine, a kind of machine which produces complexity in all realms, physical, chemical, social, whatever, and then uses that achieved level of complexity as the platform for further complexity. So he's, he's challenging Prigenine. He's saying that he sees the universe differently, building more complex systems on other complex systems, and that 
fundamental complexity driving, giving impetus to the next. And we're speeding up the rate at which we're doing this. Now, I'm going to spin this towards the end of the show back to my original statement. But keep listening. Well, this explains our present circumstance. It explains the rush toward all forms of new technology and social organization. This is 1990. This is 30 years ago. In the new millennium, but you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand that if the universe is complexifying faster and faster, an epoch, a time will come when this rate of complexification is occurring so rapidly that it will become itself the overwhelming phenomena in the world of three-dimensional space and time. And I call this the omega point or the... All right, now he's laying down a term here. He's saying that how you and I see the world, how you and I see this COVID thing, how you and I see the division between the way we see the world is something that approximates omega point. Omega point being the point at which the rate of change, the rate of technological change will begin to define our world. By defining our world, he's meaning by defining the way we see our world, by defining our perception of the world. Those two women on the track have a perception of the world. That perception is odd to me. Now I'm going to take off and argue that they are the pitiful consequence of the techno state stated in Brooklynese I mean Brooklyn they don't know their rear ends from a hole in the ground because they are so plugged up with Facebook Twitter and the techno world we can't tell the difference between right and left anymore because we are so filled with radiation and technology plastics we're starting to define ourselves by the rate at which we flush ourselves down a plastic toilet bowl. I have had a bone to pick with technology, the rate of which as is, is rapidly expanding. I have had a bone to pick with it, that we have reduced intimacy to our dribbles on Facebook and Twitter, that we have reduced the complexity the sacredness of human relationship to what we can pull off on Zoom and Facebook and Twitter, that we have swallowed that means we have changed ourselves, perhaps irreversibly, and that is what you're watching when you're watching people perceive what is so obviously the truth as falsehood. The transcendental object at the end of history, and I believe it is not that far off that with the emergence of a global internet, a human population of several billions, an electronic newsphere, uh, that we are now within the shadow of this transcendental object at the end of time. Our religions sense it. That's what gives them their apocalyptic intuitions. And I think the ordinary man and woman in the street sense a kind of built-in acceleration to time itself. Could I have gotten you a better interview? This is Terence McKenna's final interview. 
It's an hour in three minutes. You listen to it. You listen to every second of it. And ask yourself if better than anyone has he not defined the issue here. Listen to what he just said. He termed it Omega Point. The point at which we're all going to be sitting there looking at our neighbor and going, I don't see what you see. How could you see what you see? And to explain it and its apocalyptic tone is only to understand what technology has done. Now, lest I sound like some medieval hermit denying what science used to tell us was true, meaning in the 1500s we had people who were down with technology and against it. The Galileos and the Da Vinci's had their enemies. And you might mistake those enemies to sound like I sound right now. The end of Internet. Put your cell phones down. No, this isn't it at all. That's not the point. What is the point is, is that our interface with it, the class I take, the science I study is now done on Zoom. The patients I see are now done on Zoom. One third of all marriages begin on Tinderbox. Do you know what Tinderbox is? Or Tinder? I don't even know what you call it. It's that idiotic thing on the internet where you meet somebody as you poke your qualifications in and someone's qualifications match yours, including potentially your astrology. And one third of our marriages today derive from that. And you're trying to tell me that that's not sick. I can call that sick and I can argue for the wonder of internet, for the wonder of Facebook, for the wonder of Twitter, for the wonder of technology, but not if it changes us in ways that it should not tread. It's like everything else. It's like science. Science is a gift. It's about a perspective. But here's McKenna's point, and here's my point. For as much as we can say that with respect for God, with true deference for the sacred and the divine, we can use Internet and all its derivatives and science and all its derivatives in healthy, godly ways. Certainly we can argue that. This is not McKenna's point, and it's not my point. My point is, is that this relationship with technology and the rate at which it's changing and the rate at which it's expanding is forcing a genetic change within us. We are changing molecularly in response to the very same technology we're talking about. That's Omega Point. And that's the point across which we're not going to know each other anymore. And that is what you are seeing in the streets. Well, rather than dismissing that or treating it as a psychological perception or something unique to our society, I took it as a basic perception about physics and uh, have built elaborate mathematically defined theories around this idea and then have found, to my astonishment, incredible congruences with uh, other work. I'm thinking of the Mayan calendar and its uh, curious countdown-like quality toward an extreme... What he's saying is, is that the Mayans, and then he's going to get into the Chinese Neijing, 
What he's going to say is ancient culture prophesized Omega Point, which he's defining, as I'm defining and agreeing with, is the point at which the rate of change will mutate us into something we won't recognize. Make no mistake about it, we are in an evolution. And that evolution, well, we can support it in that evolution is where we go. But you see, one of the side effects of evolution is, is that fine plants, sacred, we lose as much as we gain as we evolve. Where are the Gary Coopers? Where are the Clark Gables? Where are the Teslas? Where are the Schrodingers? Where are the Einsteins? I don't see them anymore. Where are the Hemingways? I don't see them anymore. And we can say, well, we've evolved. We've evolved past it. Yeah, listen. I've had my feet in both arenas. So for as much as it is a forward evolution, for as much as we don't stop it, the question is, what does it cost us? And I think that's a very worthy consideration. And I think that's why, like he's saying, the common man senses this. And whether you're Christian and it's revelation or whether it's the Omega point or whether it's whatever it is, everybody's got a sense that things are speeding up and it's going to blow. My point to you is there's a spin on it. It has to do with the burden on our genetics. And I felt this way quite a while ago. And so I, like McKenna, investigated. I agree completely with him. This is why I talk so much about telluric currents and Schumann waves. Because we don't want to be the side effect of the burden of mutation. If we reduce ourselves to the side effect of the burden of mutation, I think we act against God's wisdom. ...unique event that the Maya felt would occur in the same time frame that my own equations predicted, even though at the time I was unaware of the Maya. So what we have here is a, a new model of time based on a very real intuition that I think most people share. And that's where we'll end it. A new model of time based upon an intuition that most people share. This Tuesday, make sure we don't become a side effect of our burden of mutation. Okay, sit on that. Listen to the interview. Good luck to you. Good luck this week. We'll see you later. Okay, that's a wrap. Don't forget to get to Dr. Medici's website at drmedici.com to look at the pictures and review the show as often as you wish. See you next week.